0: We uh, continue to walk through our journey series on uh, the Ten Commandments, the journey toward humility. little note, um, tonight we're gathering for prayer. We're going to have a prayer service. I'll be leading that. I want to invite you back here at six o'clock tonight. But this morning, we're walking through um, the Third Commandment, and it is about how we guard God's name, how we um, understand God's name, how we worship God through how we treat His name. And... Um, Uh, Again, there's, I think, some challenges here. I was challenged this week in my study just about what it means to not misuse the name of the Lord your God, and so I hope that you can continue to learn and grow along with me in our understanding of these, not only the, the challenges of doing the things that we're not supposed to do from the commandments, but then also the positive side. What does it call us to do? How is it that we are called to live? We're going to be reading, uh, again, the commandments this morning, Exodus 20, chapter uh, chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, if you would turn in your text to that, and as we spend time in God's Word together, let's pray. We thank you, O God, for your Word, and we truly are challenged by it over and over again. And we pray, Father, that as it brings light into prisons and dark spaces, as it brings in your light into the lives of those who desperately need to hear the truth of Jesus Christ, Lord, may that truth permeate us today. May we understand, Father. truly what power your name has and what that then calls us to. We pray that our lives reflect uh, giving glory and mag- magnifying your name and that ultimately, Lord, our purpose and our plan is to hold you up, to put God on display and to, that people might speak your name in faith and know the work of Jesus Christ through the power of your Holy Spirit in their lives through us. We pray these things all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. And God spoke all these words I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. His name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land your God, the Lord your God, is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant, or maidservant, his ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, just consider that question a moment, uh, and I'm, I'd what's in a name, um, and consider it in light of Father's Day. I don't want to sort of step into the mind of all the fathers out there. I want you to think about your children for a moment. Um, You can look at them lovingly with your eyes, or depending on how your preparations for church went this morning, you may want to look at them with judgment in your eyes. It's up to you. Uh, Look at them, and I want you to think of any other name And look at your children, or think of your children, and think if you could call them any other name than what you have named them. I mean, truly, could that be Bobby Jiritzma? Could he be Bobby Jiritzma? I mean, not really. He's an Austin. Oh, he's an Austin. Watch out, right? I think of my kids, Katie, Cameron, and and Troy, and think, you know, I can't even imagine. It's Katie, not just Katie in name, but she's a Katie. And Cameron's a Cameron, and Troy is definitely a Troy. The names matter, and it's sort of interesting, even some of our kids take on almost characteristics of, of, of a name, and it's funny because um, you know, of course, your kids look up what their name is supposed to mean, and, and sometimes they think, "Oh, that's great," or "Oh, why did you do that to me?" But you know those, those names have power. It's interesting, actually, yesterday. Um, I was in another context and talking with some people, and I was actually someone shared with me an a- email that they had received and in the email they used my name and it was not in a positive fashion and I resented that because that's my name you don't get to use my name and it wasn't about me it was even just them saying my name you don't get to use because that's mine and my name is important to me and. Anyone using it in any sort of fashion that, that I'm, I'm not comfortable with sort of gets to me. It almost feels like gossip or just, you know, an assault or, or something. Names are important. And God's name is most important. And just as I might feel violated in a fairly small fashion, by what happened with this email, God is so much more so with His name. And so when we hear on television or in whatever sort of context, God's name used what we would use maybe or think of as a curse, I hope it does what it does to you, what it does to me. It almost like It's somebody shoving a a, a crowbar into the gears of my heart and going, it doesn't feel good. The, The acronym OMG is one of those things that just drives me nuts. Please, young people, understand, I think you're getting into dangerous territory if you even go down some of those roads. God's name is important to him, and he's making that clear to Israel, not just in these commandments, but in all the ways that he speaks to uh, his people about how they are to treat his name. And so as we we look at this commandment together, it's important for us to struggle with it a little bit and wonder about it a little bit and see if it's simply about us not saying the OMG acronym or others like it, or if maybe there's more to it than that. And I want to assert to all of us this morning, that there's much more to it than that, than simply not speaking God's name as any sort of curse or an oath or anything like that. I think there's much more to it than that. Now, understand the context again of the commandments. These commandments are the beginning. These are the first 10 of a whole series of laws that God gives to Moses on Mount Sinai for the purpose of Moses bringing those laws down to God's people, his chosen people, the Israelites, who are waiting at the bottom of the mountain. And Moses is going to bring these commandments down with the purpose of saying, Guess what? I want you to be different, I want you to be distinct. So that other people around you can understand more about who I am. Who I am, excuse me. So that they see me in how you treat what it is that I call you to. How I make you different. How I transform you into my people. Not people of this world, but my people. And of course, they did well with some of the commandments some of the time. But they also had lives of disobedience. And we read that in the text over and over. That there was idolatry, as we talked about last week. That they did not put God first, as we talked about two weeks ago. And as we hit the other commandments, we can highlight other places in the text where it was obvious that the people of Israel were not obedient to God's commandments. Not just these commandments, but the other laws. They were committing disobedience, and so, in essence, they were holding up His name to the people around them badly. Israel, God's holy people. Do you know what Israel means in Hebrew? It's Ishrael. actually. Ish is man, ra is from or of, el is God. So, even by the name of the nation of Israel, they were carrying God's name. So, in their disobedience, the nation of Israel was carrying God's name to the world around them badly. And we can see how God responded to that. We can see how he felt about his name as we read the story. Of Israel. God didn't like it much. God didn't like it so much that, in fact, there was judgment. There was death, there was conquest, there was exile, there were all those things, and it has everything to do with God's people not carrying, not obeying, not living out God's name in their lives. Now, this command wasn't just about speaking God's name in vain. It was about living God's name in vain. And Israel's history shows us how important that is to God. Every time the nation of Israel held up God's name in a disobedient fashion by the way that they lived and the things that they did, there was judgment. That's what we get in the book of Judges, lots of judgment. That's what we get the book of 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, when the people of God did not live out obedience to God's name and hold his name up for the people around them to see the truth of who God is, for these people to hold the true God on display. Somebody got hurt. Mattered. God's name matters to him. And not only does it matter to him, but it carries power. And we can see that in the interaction even that Moses had with God at the burning bush. Do you remember what it is that God said his name was at the burning bush? What was it? I am. Okay, I am. And, of course, to us that sounds fairly odd. Why would God say that His name is I Am? I Am is not really, you know, in our mind, a name. God is more a state of being. Or, or the name, that, that phrase, I Am, is more a state of being. God is. And the reason for us to see that, <coughs> excuse me, and for Israel to see that, as a means of God showing his power, is God is saying to his people, guess what? No matter what happens, past, present, future, no matter what has gone on before, no matter what's going on now, no matter what you will be a part of, not only in your own life, but in the life of the nation of Israel, in the history of the world, in my kingdom. I always am, I am present, I am who I say I am, I do the things that I say I will do, I always am, so when God says to Moses, tell them my name is I am, he is saying there is nothing, past, present, future. There is nothing that the powers of this world know that will ever stop me from being God. That's power. That's power. I mean, you think about our existence. There are things that can stop us from being who we are. We can die we can be injured, that stops us, that changes our road. We can have things occur, we can get sick, that hinders us from being who we are. God is saying, that never changes for me. I am always, I am. So when God is saying, don't take my name in vain, do not misuse my name, He is saying, don't you ever mess with my power. Don't you live out your life in a way which shows my power in any other way than what I intended. This is one of those biggies. God is really saying, you need to be my people. And if you're not going to be my people, then you're going to show everyone else someone who I'm not, and that's going to tick me off, and I will judge you, and people will die. Of course, that sounds heavy handed to us. And the reason, in part, it sounds heavy handed to us is because we know that with our lives, we misuse God's name. That with our lives, We live out disobedience in a way which puts something up that is not the true God of the text of Scripture, not the true God who saved us from our sins through Jesus Christ, not the true God who lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the problem is, is through that disobedience, as we live it out to the world around us, and they see God for something, He is not through us, We know how God treats that. Judgment. That's scary to me. It it really gives me pause. That when I live in the world around me and I, I look at my neighbors and I look at the people that we interact with in lots of different contexts, that if I don't live out honoring God's name, those people not only see something wrong or they see something that is not intended for me to show them about who God is, but even more so, God's upset. God's, God's concerned. God will judge. What does the text say? It says, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. We are surrounded by a world that understands Christ through us. We carry the name Christians. They see Christ through us. What are you saying to the world about who Christ is? Think about that. Think about your behavior. Think about, for example, what your spouse or your children or your parents might say to you about the bad habits that you have that may be something that you need to deal with, something that, you know, maybe your anger, maybe the language that you use but it's even more so than that it's actually a little bit more challenging because we can get even to deeper ways of misusing God's name you see these points here and if these don't convict you or if there's not something here that that convicts you i'm not sure that i've done my job well because i know there's at least a couple here on me here that here that cut me to the heart pleasure seeking materialism a lack of justice not caring for the poor and i would add to that this morning for those who are sick and in prison judgmentalism what about that one and there's others plenty of them That we can live out and even justify in various ways. We can can talk about materialism and say, well, I'm just trying to get the best for my kids, or God has given much to me, and so he's equipped me to be able to do some of these things and have some of these experiences. And, And I don't argue that that very well may be true, but if that's our motivation, if that's the purpose that we're a part of work and making money and growing the bank account, then we're definitely into a materialistic greed attitude, and that doesn't show God for who He is, because God is truly not a greedy God. What's yours? Where are you at with some of these things? i got to ask that, myself that question all the time, because what I find out really quickly is it doesn't take but a couple of days and all of a sudden something takes root in me and I look at it and go, am I truly showing the world who Christ really is in me? I can do it with my words. I can do it with how I speak to my wife or my children or how I treat my family in the community, in ways that the community can see it. I can do it in the way that I treat government and speak about government or whatever. So many different ways. And that's why this is so nefarious, because it's everywhere where we, in our disobedience of showing people who truly God is, we're violating the third commandment. You know, when when I was a kid, many of you know, I grew up in Ontario, Canada. And the part of the world that I lived in, in southern Ontario, there was a group of about maybe 15 to 20 Christian Reformed churches within about an hour around us. And in those particular days in the history of our church, there was probably a more connected relationship with some of these churches from our denomination, the denomination actually that the river is a part of, we're a part of the denomination with these churches, And we had a relationship enough with these churches that we did a lot of activities together. There were youth gatherings, there were worship services, there were combined retreats and camping times and all that other sort of stuff. But one thing in particular that I will never forget is that we had church softball, hockey, and soccer leagues for all the different churches within an hour, hour and a half of where we lived. Which meant that every winter we would have hockey games against these other churches. We would have a team from our church. They would have a team from their church. We would go on the ice together and play hockey. And you actually had a church league with playoffs. And there was a church cup that you would get at the end of the season if you won. Um, I don't know what the deal was with my churches. But I never ever got to win the cup. I consider that a great uh, failure in my life. You can tell. In the summertime, we had church softball and when you, or church soccer, and when you got too old to play soccer, that was sort of the idea, and you still wanted to play sports, then you played softball because it wasn't quite as much energy that was required for it. And as I look back on those seasons of church hockey, church softball, and church soccer, there are times when I have to cringe. I can remember the time very distinctly when me and two other guys had to rush out of our dugout during a church softball game to break up a fight that was going to start between the pitcher and the hitter. I'll never forget being on the bench during a hockey game, looking down the bench and seeing a set of twins who went to the church that I was a part of. They were on the fringe, but they still attended the church. Reaching down in their cooler to get their next beer and reaching up to the boards where they'd left their lit cigarette where they could go and take a drag between their shifts. When we would go into the boards, I heard words spoken that are not suitable for any adult ever to speak. There were times that on the way out after getting changed with our hockey gear, that there would be verbal barbs thrown back and forth as we walked through the lobby as other teams were getting ready to come into the rink to get changed. Soccer's a holy sport, so nothing bad ever happened there. I'll, I'll never forget going down into the corner. Young kid, high school kid from my church. They were on a break, a breakaway on the soccer field, and some guy had just decided to take him out and take his legs out. He was a good player, and here he sits on the ground with a compound fracture of his arm where somebody was so violent during a game that he broke this kid's arm, and he couldn't play for the next three months. Now think about that. And I think about the person who owned the rink and arranged for the leagues. And I think about the person who did the scoreboard and the umpires for softball. And I think about the referees and the people who came to watch the soccer games and what were they seeing at every hockey, softball, and soccer games? game from the people who were calling themselves Christians. Did we put God's name on display? Of course, that's in some ways a silly little illustration, but in many ways, depending on what God has done in the lives of those people impacted by these leagues and their behavior, maybe it's not such a trite illustration. For us to wonder together how we carry God's name in all the things that we do. How do we hold up who God is? God is not a beer-drinking, cigarette-smoking, cursing, violent person on the hockey rink. And yet that's what we showed to the people around us, and I lament that. Because God will not hold anyone guiltless, Who takes his name in vain? There's guilt there. There's conviction. And for us to think about that in whatever sphere of life we are in, whatever part of life we're in, is important work for us. Because not only do we not want to feel the guilt of taking God's name in vain by how we live, but we also want to even more experience the blessing of what it means to carry God's name to the world around us in spirit and in truth. Showing the world His holiness. Showing the world His love. Showing the world His righteousness. And how much He cares for, redeems, and works to transform the lives of His people. I want to carry that. And I want to see the blessing of God working through His name and the power of His name in me to the world around me. I want to see it. I want to experience it. That's the positive of this command. And for us to get in that place with our lives, well, we understand that God was at work in Israel showing them how to do it. Well, how did that happen? Well, we see a level of maturity in Israel over time. They go through the fire of disobedience. They go through the fire of consequence and judgment. They go into exile. And God shows them just how much he cares about his name. And so ultimately they come back and they say through people like Ezra and Nehemiah, we're going to do this differently. And if you see the way that Israel acted... Immediately following the exile, it's very different. It's a very different country. It's a very different people. They became much more particular about how people could live within the chosen people of Israel. If you were going to be a part of the community, there were going to be some things that were going to be different. So we don't mess up holding God's name up to the world around us. But the problem is that even though they came back with that value, they wanted to hold God's name up to the world around them, they still messed that up. See, we see the rise of folks like the Pharisees and the Sadducees because when we start to go down those roads of obedience so strong that you're not allowed to do or you can't do anything else, otherwise God's going to pound you. It's where we get into legalism. They couldn't get it right and their disobedience now turns to legalism that dishonors God's name. As we look at Jesus and the Pharisees interacting in the New Testament, Jesus is so frustrated with the Pharisees. Why? Not because he actually had probably the most in common with them than with any other religious group. Because they were seeking truly to honor God's name, but they were legalistic about it. And to Jesus Christ, that was disobedience. Because God is a God of grace and a God of love. So even there, it's not just about somebody who wants to honor God's name saying to the world around us, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, because by doing those things, you will dishonor God's name. And I'm not going to do them, so you shouldn't do them either. That's not it. It's instead about living the full truth of the text of Scripture, that just in the same way that God is a, a judge, because of our disobedience, that God is a God of mercy through Jesus Christ. God is a God of grace as He brings people to Himself. It's a fully formed honoring of God's name. And Israel couldn't do this right without something extraordinary to equip them and help them to do it right. That's the Holy Spirit that comes through the work of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel you and I can't honor God's name even as Christians without the power of the Holy Spirit coming transforming us and moving us to a life of obedience and gratitude so that the world sees truly who God is in Jesus Christ so understanding that our obedience is in magnifying god's name comes through the spirit's transformation of our lives that starts us on the road to honoring god's name you and i can't fix this for ourselves if i ever say that you can fix something on your own you are not hearing grace from me but if you hear from me that god does this in you through the power of his spirit because you can't fix yourself that's grace and you and i need to seek this transformation not through our own ability but by welcoming the holy spirit into us so that we understand more about what it means to obey god what it means to glorify and worship him with our lives what it means to carry the name of god the name of christ to the world around us it has to be the work of the Spirit. And as the Spirit moves us to grace-filled, joyful lives, we do glorify Him more. We do carry His name in honor and truth more to the world around us. People see that sort of Spirit-filled transformation, and when they see it, they see there's power in God's name. We moving into our hearts and into our lives, that's when the work of God becomes more attractive to the world around us. So for you and I to continue to move, continue to move in how we see God's ministry through us, the context in your schools, in your workplace, in the different people that you interact with on a daily basis, at the grocery store, at the gas station, at at the arts programs, on the ball fields, wherever it is, for that transformation to occur so that they can see it. They see more deeply the power of the name of God. Power of the name of Christ in you and I. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, okay, well then I'm going to mess that up. Because I'm a fallen human being. And you're right, you are. I am, we are. But even how you walk through that, can carry God's name in honor. See, you and I both know you can't fix yourself, right? You can't fix yourself. That's grace. Jesus does it through the Holy Spirit to transform you. Then be honest about that. Be transparent about that. One of the things that drives me the most crazy and it drives me the most crazy in myself is when i get confronted with my sin what's my first response deny and hide right it's automatic deny and hide how does that so show the power of grace in our lives see we know There's not a person in here who can't fix themselves. There's not a person in here who doesn't need the grace of Jesus Christ to have a redeemed relationship with Him. So for us, denying and hiding simply asserts that we don't believe the truth of grace. We all know it's true for everybody else. Why isn't it true for us? That's how we show God's name and the power of it in our hearts and our lives. For us to live it out. For us to be honest. Yes, I am a broken human being. Yes, I am a fallen of creation. I am someone who desperately needs the grace of Jesus Christ to be redeemed. And here it is. You found it. Exhibit A. Pray that the Spirit comes into my heart and my life to redeem me from this because I can't fix this without myself. That's an honest, genuine testimony about the power of God's name. And let's do that as Christian community. Don't deny and hide. One of the greatest powerful things that we have are your stories here in the church of places where God has met you, confronted you in your sin, and you come and you share with us here's what Christ did. We hear those stories. We had one not long ago Athena James, powerful testimony of God confronting her in her sin. And you know what? Her story's your story. And when we see that story working itself out, it shows us the glory and the power of God's name, Christ working His way into the heart of this young woman and into the heart of us. That gives glory to God. When we work this through, through the power of the Spirit, when the Spirit works in us to transform it, It shows the world the true nature of God's name. Now, I give the name of two organizations here on the bottom of your outline, and I know that I'm probably walking where angels fear to tread today. But I want you to understand my perspective on these two things. The two organizations that I want to name are the Christian Coalition and LARCH Community. If you want... Both of them have very developed websites you can go and check out information, just Google or Bing or whatever it is in the world that you do, Christian Coalition or Larch Community. Christian Coalition is a political action committee organization that works in public policy in the political realm in order to move forward laws and policy that reflect Christian ideals. I don't argue that they have purpose. What I do have issue with is when I go on their website and I see links and different places and pages where I see condemnation of people, condemnation of a certain group, condemnation of a certain political meaning, I want to go on their website and take Christian out of their name. Because I know that God is not working in the lives of those people that this group is condemning by just pounding them silly. God is working through love. God is working through grace. God is working through mercy. God is working through things the way that God does. Now, if you are a big supporter of the Christian Coalition, please understand, I think there's important work that happens, but how we do that work is important. Then I get to Larch Community. You don't know what Larch Community is, you should. It's a powerful, powerful group of people, and they don't always get things right. But one of the things that they have decided to do, and they've been around for any number of years, quite a while in fact, they go and live in an area where there are specific people groups who have been victims of injustice, and they start a community within that community and live out the love and the grace of Jesus, working towards justice, working towards the Spirit's transformation in the lives of those who are experiencing poverty, mental illness, physical developmental illness, or or issues, homosexuals, drug addicts, victims of prostitution, victims of child slavery, or uh, uh, slavery. And they live within those communities very intentionally with the purpose of showing those communities that God has not forgotten them. They don't come with judgment. They speak the truth in love. They don't always do it perfectly. They come... Caring deeply about people and caring deeply about those things that have brought them to injustice. They don't always do that perfectly. But as they do, they carry the name of Jesus into a place which would not otherwise receive it very easily. I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, this morning I come in self-conviction as well. I desire, I desire for myself, for my family, I desire for our community to hold up the name of God, the name of Jesus, the name of the Holy Spirit to the world around us in such a way that I don't become a barrier to them seeing the real God. And the challenge as we go from this place is wondering how the Spirit is moving, convicting, transforming us to reflect God's name more fully, more completely, and more in a spirit of love, grace, and mercy to the world that He has put each of us in. Would you pray with me? Thank you, O God for your name and that it does have power in our lives, that you are always with us. You are I am. And you call us to live out that power of I am to the world that we see every day. And maybe, Father, we need to begin by confessing that in how we've looked at the world around us the way that we live, the lifestyle we've chosen, the activities that we're a part of, the values that we hold, that our values, that our ideas, that our activities, that our things are not in line with You. And Father, we confess that and we ask that Your Spirit turns us from that sin, from that disobedience, towards the true calling that You have that moves us more and more towards who you truly are to the world around us may we understand that we carry your name and when we carry your name it comes with responsibility but we do not do it out of obligation o oh god We don't want to be legalistic. We don't want to do the have-to business, otherwise God won't love us nearly as much. We know that you love us sufficiently in Jesus Christ. You simply call us to live out lives of obedience as a thank you. I pray for that power of transformation for us today. I thank you for examples that we have, people in this church community, ministries like CBI, Ministries like Larch Community that show truly in spaces your light, your hope, who God really is. What is this Christianity thing all about? Empower us to that end, O oh God. May we be prompted by the Spirit towards repentance. And then, Father, out of that positive desire to glorify you, showing obedience out of gratitude, showing mercy, love, humility out of gratitude so that the world can see truly who you are. It's work you do in us. We pray you do it today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.